It is Locked On Jazz for the 9th of December. Is it possible the Utah Jazz traded Rudy Gobert at the perfect time because the league's figured him out? Or is it just Minnesota hasn't figured out how to use him? We'll break that down. Plus, we'll look at the Jazz early starts in games and whether that's been the key to success this year. Depth will become more important than ever as the season progresses. If Walker Kessler's in the starting lineup, have we just unleashed a new aspect of the offense? And it's a points game Friday. It's all coming up on a jam-packed Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. Jazz and Rudy Gobert coming back. Uh, the applause, I think, will be amazing. The Rudy deserves every accolade he's received when he was here. He embraced Utah. He loved playing for the Jazz. He loved the home crowd. He was unbendingly committed to being great on a nightly basis. He wanted to win a championship, improve as much as any player you'll ever have on your franchise. You should wear your 27 jersey with immense pride tonight uh, and support Rudy Gobert. This guy, I mean, the stories, we know them, the walk up the the back ramp at Staples Center with Ian Clark pulling his bags, going from being at the Marina Del Rey Ritz-Carlton to a La Quinta by the, st- uh, by the airport. As he goes to the G League, he's frustrated and mad about going to the G League, doesn't believe he's a G League player. The, he, he just un, unwaveringly committed to getting better night in and night out and improves his game and tr- try and then defensively gets better and evolves and he's defense player of the year. And then Quinn asks him to do something different the next year and he does it and they win again. Uh, and, and he, and he is just, he, he was amazing. Uh, I, I could do an entire show today in a tribute and an accolades to Rudy Gobert, the nights we got to watch um, Thurl Bailey telling me on, he, Thurl used to join our show, the kids special, Early, way earlier than everyone else. Um, and knowing he was special and calling it out, the night in Den- in Dallas was kind of the first night that I remember thinking it. Um, I think he 2020, and we're, dri- we're driving back to the airport, and I, re- I remember thinking to myself, like, you know what, guys just don't do that. Like, that's just like, guys don't put up that, those numbers on those nights. I think that was 2017, uh, January of 2017, if I remember correctly, he goes 27-25. He has 10 offensive rebounds in that game. Still might be the greatest game he ever played for the Jazz, unless his 29.20 rebound game against Dallas, uh, what was that, 20, that was last, uh, probably two Januaries ago? Yeah, two Januaries ago, um, surpassed it. He was always quite good against Dallas. Maybe it was because Rick Carlisle played Hackett Gobert. And, and, and remember that, right? Like, back to the Hackett Gobert. 
uh, aspect of things. The, the, the guy was incredible. And his defense on a night-in and night-out basis was truly, truly awesome. And if you... And then the last one I would add on, on this is, you know, he really was the litmus test to whether you understood the NBA for a long time. If you understood his impact and how great he was, you did. And then others didn't. And there's still a legitimate question of whether, uh, as the league trends, we've talked about this, the, to make the playoffs, you have to deny the rim. But then the teams that make the playoffs don't go to the rim anymore. And so whether Rudy can defend defensively in the same way is is a real question mark. There is a little bit of a trend right now for Rudy that, and I looked it up only because I'd looked this up before. I wasn't hunting for something. I want to see how Minnesota was using him. I want to prepare for the broadcast, so I was doing my job. But I will say, and I sent this to Alan Horton, who's the Timberwolves play-by-play announcer, there was a trend that was a little disturbing if I was in the Jazz front office. And I think I mentioned this on the show. If you went back and looked in 1920, Rudy impacted 23 shots a game. In 2021, Rudy impacted 22 shots a game. And in 21-22, it dropped to 0.5. It was from 22.3 to 21. So he went, he went from 23 to 22 to 21, basically. That's a little bit of exaggeration. Not much, but close. Um, in three years. So it was suddenly dropping a shot a game, which seems very little, except for it's 5%. Like, that's actually, it's 5%. It actually makes an impact. Teams were not shooting any better against him at all. They were shooting 6 or 7% points less than league average because Rudy's amazing. This year, all of a sudden, Rudy's only impacting and defending 16.5 shots a game. Now, this might be Minnesota. And how they do things and what they run and how they, what their systems are. Um... And it might not be Rudy. But it is a continuation of a trend, which was that the league had figured out how to move Rudy as the league was becoming more skilled and more spread out. Rudy's not at the rim as much. And he's not impacting as many shots. Hey, there's a whole aspect of this that I've I've preached, that every time someone just sees Rudy, they don't shoot. Okay, so it could be just that. But there is an impact level here on, on Rudy's impact. Shots at the rim. The same thing was going on at the rim. And again, this could simply be he's so great that nobody wanted to challenge him. But inside six feet in the 1920 season, Rudy Gobert impacted eight shots a game at the rim. And players shot absurdly 50%. Like if anybody doesn't think Rudy's great, teams shot 50% at the rim when Rudy Gobert defended the rim. Like that is a crazy number. That means like... The league average on that shot, I think, is 66%. I think. I'm looking it up right now just to make sure I'm accurate so that you have that that data point. Uh, so Rudy Gobert was forcing teams at the rim to shoot 50%. The league average is 66%. Why I know that off the top of my head, I don't know. And Rudy, for, the, for 1920 and 2021, 8.3 shots per game. And actually, by the way, in 2021, he was teams were down to below 50%. Rudy's awesome. 21-22, last year it dropped a shot. Again, maybe no big deal, except for like a shot of one of eight is 13%. Like he's suddenly impacting 13% fewer shots at the rim. It's now dropped another shot. What's really interesting is that teams are now shooting 58% at the rim against Rudy. 
Okay. Like, I haven't seen enough to know. But there's one of three things that could be taking place here on, on these two numbers. One is that Minnesota's just simply not using Rudy Wright. Okay? Probably most likely is that they just haven't had Rudy long enough. They haven't figured out how to use him. As the season goes on, these numbers will increase, and, he, and he will, they will figure it out. Chris Finch is a really good coach. He'll figure it out. So that's, that's the first. The second theory here would be that the league's figured Rudy out. That the league is moving Rudy around. That the league has figured out how to deal with space. That more and more players on the floor are skilled. And that Rudy can't get back to the rim or get to the ball to the ball as much as he once did. Because he's two strides further out than he used to be. The third thing that could be taking place here is that Rudy's 30 years old and he played all year for France. And that Rudy is fatiguing. Or maybe slowing down. Or maybe dropped a step. Rudy's about as finely tuned an athlete as I've ever seen. So I kind of doubt this, but at some point it does happen. I don't think it's going to be 30 for Rudy. I would, if this was 34 and 33 and these numbers started to drop like this, I would put that one on the top of the list. I've mentioned it third on purpose. I've mentioned them in the order that I think what's taking place. I think Minnesota just hasn't figured him out yet. That's the first one. The second one, I do think the league... We saw the trend while he was with the Jazz, and certainly Quinn knew every which way to build Rudy. He built the entire franchise around Rudy. The next one that's interesting is Rudy's not impacting the pick and roll as much. So in 1920, 2021, and 21-22, if you combine those three seasons, there was like no standard deviation of Rudy's pick and roll performance. It was 0.89.86 and 0.87. And he was the number one in the NBA for all those years. Anthony Davis was number two. He was 0.89, 0.86. This year, he's 36th out of 95. Now, D'Angelo Russell's not a very good defender on the pick and roll, but you know what? Royce O'Neal was like the third worst guy in the league last year. So, Rudy's done this with plenty of guys that aren't always great at what you're asking them to do. So, why has Rudy suddenly slipped... And that's a big slip, by the way. I want to be clear here. From being the best in the league to being 36th out of 95 is a massive slip on your impact on games. The difference is not, ma- it's not, it's 0.94 to point, it was 0.87, it's now 0.94. He's still good. It's still, I don't want to involve Rudy Gobert in the pick and roll. This is not like I'm hunting him out. But it's a little surprising. Now, Carl Anthony Towns is awful. He's the sixth worst guy in the league. The only guys that are worse are Jermichael Green, Jared Vanderbilt, Isaiah Stewart, Alperin Sengun, and Paolo Boncaro. One of which is a rookie. Another two of which are second-year players. Like, it's not surprising. But it's an interesting little question here of what's happened with Rudy. The last and final piece is that his offensive pick-and-roll game is not as good either, which is weird. D'Angelo Russell is a pretty good pick-and-roll player. Anthony Edwards may not be. Anthony Edwards may not know how to play pick and roll. Minnesota uses Gobert in 47% of their picks, which is far more than the Jazz ever did. Now, they may not run as many picks, but they use 47% of their picks. Jazz were up at 90 picks a game. I don't think Minnesota's that high. I'll pull it up for you. Um, the, but Minnesota, if it's a pick and roll, it involves Rudy. 
understandably, they don't really have any other guys, but it's still an interesting note that they're running pick and roll with him much more percentage-wise than the Jazz ever did. With with Gobert and the Jazz, his pick and roll efficiency was 1.02, 1.06, and 1.01. This year in Minnesota, it's 0.9. So these things all lead me to kind of the same thing, which is Minnesota just has not figured out how to use Rudy Gobert. Quinn Snyder built an entire team and basically system around Rudy Gobert. And Minnesota may be asking him to adapt to their flow system and Chris Finch's offense and their things, and that may not be working. The overall drop in numbers leads a little more credence to a question of whether Rudy at 30 years old playing for France in the national team is tired. Minnesota runs 61 picks compared to what was the 90 by the Jazz, so they run far fewer. Um, Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert's pick and roll is a mess. It's at .85. So they have not figured each other out. But it's just either one of three things has taken place here. The league is adapted after seeing Rudy for eight, nine years. Okay, that happens. Minnesota has yet to figure out Rudy. Or Rudy, after nine years in the league, at the level he goes at 7-1, is beginning to slow down. All of those trends might lead to the jazz-traded Rudy Gobert at the perfect time. My guess is the second half of the season, if we see Minnesota late and we pull these numbers up again, Rudy Gobert will be a much better player. An impactful player than he has been. The player that for the jazz was one of the five most impactful players in the NBA has not arrived yet in Minnesota. And I... It's interesting to try to figure out whether or not that's a Minnesota issue, a league issue, or a Rudy issue. But those are the three I present to you. If I had a guess, I'm going Minnesota, I'm going league, and then I'm going Rudy. Interested to have your thoughts on the YouTube chat. For those of you that are joining us on YouTube, for those of you on the podcast, feel free to hit me at DLock09. Today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden, Murdoch Hyundai. Murdoch's have been in Utah for over 80 years. They are a part of the community. They are a part of our fabric. And they want to serve you as well as they possibly can. The lineup of Hyundai cars is amazing. We have the new Ionic Electric, which is great. We also have two of the Santa Fe's. uh, Perfect for the snow. And then I'm driving the Sonata right now, which is the uh, award-winning sedan. All out there. If you're looking for a car right now, here's what I suggest. If you decide what you like best, but do take a moment and stop by Murdoch Hyundai, either in Logan, Linden, or at 4646 South State Street. I'll set you up with a VIP meeting, and you can decide whether you've discovered the same thing I have, that the all for the money and the bells and whistles you can get for, for any of the lineup of the Hyundai cars is superior to that of everyone else, and then you can decide whether it's the car you want to drive home in. Email me at dlock09 at gmail.com, and I'll get you set up. On that. Today's show also brought to you by our friends who are at Masterclass. Masterclass, what a great holiday gift by choosing a few. Uh, you can go give your friend, spouse, brother, sister a Masterclass at masterclass.com slash locked on. That's masterclass.com slash locked on. There's a wide variety of topics taught all by the best there are dinner worthies of Michelin stars from their chefs. I think that list just came out. 180 exclusive classes taught by instructors you'll know and love. Cinema quality classes that give you unparalleled access to renowned instructors. Steph Curry teaching the jump shot. Uh, if you've got a kid who wants to learn the game sessions, 
which is a new product that allows you to go deeper dive into lessons over a fixed amount of time. Sessions include activities as well as opportunities to learn alongside community of peers. It's all at Masterclass, The Art of Negotiation by Chris Foss. John Legend teaching songwriting. Chris Jenner teaching power of personal branding. Mariah Carey teaching how to use your voice, which I could use. Bob Iger, CEO of Disney on business strategy. It's incredible. It's all at Masterclass right now. So go grab it, masterclass.com slash locked on. That's masterclass.com slash locked on. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are incredibly thankful. Well, at least I am. I don't know who we is. The mouse in my pocket. Um, thank you so much. And for your second listen today, how about a little Locked On Sports today? A limited game to game. Did you watch that game last night? Did you guys catch that game last night? The There were 15 lead, lead changes in the final... Six minutes and 33 seconds from what everyone seems to think that is the most lead changes ever in the final six minutes and 33 seconds of a game last night between the Blazers and the Nuggets. Pretty sick. Pretty sick. All right. um, I had a bunch of other things today. What do my notes say? They say depth. They say uh, early starts. Does it say early starts or does it say fairly starts? No, it says early starts. And it says Walker starting. And then we do points gained. Here's a little note. I don't know what you guys can think of this. You guys can decide. This is a little research project I did this morning. Because it struck me that we come out of the gate really, really well every night. So the Jazz have led at the six-minute mark of the first quarter in 18 of 27 games. Seems high. Um, I I don't know what... Like, honestly, like, David... I'm now speaking about myself in the third person. You can all laugh at me. David does a bunch of research. Okay. So I do a bunch of research. What a loser. Um, now I'm doing my Jim Gaffigan inner voice at myself. Um, I do a bunch of research. And sometimes I find something and sometimes I don't. Like the Rudy stuff, I had all those numbers from the years past and I looked it up and I found something. So 67% of our games, we lead at the six minute mark. Okay. When we lead at the six-minute mark of the first quarter, we are 12 and six. When we don't lead at the six-minute mark of the, we are three and six. That to me starts to get pretty interesting. So if we lead at the six-minute mark of the first quarter, we win 67 percent of our games. And if we trail at the six-minute mark of the first quarter, we win 33 percent of our games. You know, NBA games only have to watch the fourth quarter. Like nothing has been less true. Well. Okay, never mind. There have been a lot of things in the last few years that have been less true than that. Um, but in regards to NBA myths, the idea that games are only decided in the fourth quarter is a, is a myth. So I don't know. I, I, I almost feel like this might be a Will Hardy coaching point. So I'm gonna, I think I'm going to ask Will about this tomorrow. Um, or today. Um, though Gobert will be so much of the topic of the conversation, so we'll see. But I think I might ask him about this. I, I don't know what I think of it. It's interesting. So, like, we've led in six... It's interesting that they also fell together, right? So we've led in 67% of our games at the six-minute mark and trailed at 33% of our games at the six-minute mark. And then if we lead at six-minute mark, we win 67% of the time. And if we trail, we lose 30... We only win 33% of the time. It's kind of interesting. Just wanted to show that out there. We're into the type of the season now where depth starts to really matter. So the way the numbers work on this in the NBA is that the average NBA player plays 71 games. 
And so when the average NBA player plays 71 games, it means that the average NBA player is missing 11 games, which means when you have 10 players and they're all missing one-eighth of the season, you regularly will have one or two players that's out for an extended period of time or out at the same time. So we just went from having Mike Conley out for his nine games, which kind of matches what I'm talking about, and Mike Conley would certainly be someone you expect to play below the average 71, and now Colin Sexton's going to be out for probably somewhere in that range with a mild hamstring strain. And so this is where Nikhil Alexander-Walkers and Simone Fontecchio's and all these guys become very, very important. And we may be deeper than most teams. Like, we really did cut two NBA quality players when we cut Stanley Johnson, we cut Cody Zeller, and we cut Jared Butler. We, we cut guys that are, were legitimate NBA players because we had other legitimate NBA players. And I think that could be a big, big thing that happens here for us um, coming up. So keep an eye on that. I think that'll, that'll matter. Here's another one that I'll bring up to you that I think is kind of, I obviously had, was all over the map in researching last night. Mike Conley has really struggled in the pick and roll this year without Rudy Gobert. Um, his point, his pick and roll efficiency is, is down considerably. He and Rudy, you know, he played almost all of his minutes with Rudy Gobert the last few years. Uh, Quinn staff matched him. All the time, his pick and roll average was about 1.0. I'm just doing some round numbers here for you. He's down about 10% in efficiency right now um, on some of his pick and roll stuff. What's interesting is he's really, really down with Jared Vanderbilt and Kelly Olenek. He and Lowry Markinen are beginning to figure each other out. We're beginning to see the clear open side pick and roll kind of at an angle, and that's beginning to figure itself out. The player he's run almost no pick and roll with so far is Walker Kessler. And Walker Kessler, he's run 22 pick and rolls all season long with Walker Kessler. And that, you bring Walker Kessler back into the game with 22 pick and rolls, and if Walker Kessler continues to start, and Mike Conley's running pick and roll with Walker Kessler, it brings Mike Conley back to playing pick and roll with a big rolling with four shooters, with a Linux Markinen probably Clark, with Clarkson and uh, Clarkson spaced. And it brings Mike Conley back to that. I think that's at least going to be interesting to see whether Mike's efficiency picks up now with Walker Kessler in the starting lap. We'll, we'll see. Walker's not a very good pick setter. In fact, this is a problem for Walker right now is that he's not a very good pick setter. Um, Jordan might be the same as true. Jordan, on the other hand, has a rhythm with Kelly Olenek and Jared Vanderbilt, and has been very good on the pick and roll that, and he's a, a, like close to an unmitigated disaster. That's a little overstated. With Lowry Markkinen, those two seriously look like they have their shoelaces tied together when they try to play pick and roll right now. It'll be interesting to see what Clarkson does with Kessler. Clarkson last year did not run a great deal of pick and roll with Rudy because he played off the floor with Rudy. But when he did, he began to figure out how to play in the pocket, and he, they weren't great. They never were great. He was actually better with Hassan last, last year than he was with Rudy. Rudy kind of got in Clarkson's way. So it'll be interesting to see on the Clarkson front how Kessler works out for him. But that one I thought was worth pointing out um, and having for you in the sense of these guys all starting to get. All right, points gained. Is Steph Curry still number one in the NBA offensively or is Nikola Jokic taking that title? How is it possible that Jazz are the number three offense in the league and who are the worst offensive players? And who are the hottest and the coldest? We'll do it all coming up next on Points Gain today. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Bet Online. 
Bet.net odds, news, scores, and more. Get it all at Bet Online. Bet Online has where the game begins. You can get involved in all the World Cup action if you want to, as well as uh, the NFL last night. How about Baker Mayfield? Fun games coming up this weekend. The over under on the Broncos is seven. No, no, just a, no. Over under is forty four. They're a nine and a half point dog against Kansas City. Sorry, I don't mean to pile on. Uh, 49ers are a three and a half point favorite against Tampa Bay with their new quarterback. Seattle's a three and a half point favorite over Carolina in that matchup of things. In basketball tonight, the Jazz and the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Jazz are a two point favorite at home. Milwaukee and Dallas play good when they play pick them on that. By the way, Joe Ingles was sent to the Wisconsin herd of the G League, but they actually flew the Wisconsin herd of the G League to Dallas so that uh, he could have a full five-on-five scrimmage um, yesterday. So he's getting close. 76ers are five-point favorite over the Lakers tonight. That's all at betonline.net. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs in a world where you it is t- right now vital that you get your job hirings done immediately and taken care of. LinkedIn is the way for small businesses to get the high-stakes game of hiring done fast and quickly with 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. What do you want when you're hiring? You want, the, you want to get the best candidates, you want to get it done quickly, and you want to be able to get it done efficiently. That's how you add your job to LinkedIn, and then their simple tools like their screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills, experience, so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs, you find the qualified candidate you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MBA. That's linkedin.com slash MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Appreciate it immensely. Appreciate all your support. Appreciate all your loyalty. Been kind of fun this year. Uh, all right. Points gained time. For those of you who are new to this, points gained is an offensive metric exclusive to Locked On Jazz and Locked On that great ranks offensive players, their efficiency by which they use a possession and how often they can get shots off. So, for example, Steph Curry is using 22.5 scoring opportunities a game. He is out of those 22.5. If you compare him to the average player in the NBA, he is the average player in the NBA. Steph Curry is scoring four more points than the average player in those 22.5 possessions. So he is a plus 4.1. By the end of the year, we usually have about three or four guys over three and we have about 10 guys over two. It's right now we have three got four three guys over four, only four guys over three, and then a collection of guys over two. So here are the best and most positively impactful offensive players in the NBA. Uh, Nikola Jokic has taken the lead over Steph Curry at 4.2 uh, points gained. Steph Curry's at 4.1. Kevin Durant at 4.0. Not a big surprise. Those are the three most efficient offense players. This tells you the metric actually works a little bit. Anthony Davis, who's been amazing, has vaulted to 3.4. Donovan Mitchell, who has never been more than an average efficiency player, is at th- having an incredible year. Top five, 2.8. Incredible. Lowry Markinen is sixth in the NBA at 2.7. What Lowry Markin has done over the last 14 games since teams should have adapted to him, he shot 53% from the field, 51% from three, and 80% from the line while scoring 23 points a game is incredible. And that is why he is actually the now fifth or sixth most efficient 
po- six most positively impactful offensive player. Pretty amazing how many jazz, former Jazz players show up here. Demato Sabonis was a 2.6. That was not that bad a trade. Miles Turner's a 2.6. Both Indiana and Sacramento are winning much more than anyone. Utah, Sacramento, and Indiana, no one can understand why they're winning games. Larry Markin's 2.7. Demato Sabonis is 2.6. Miles Turner's 2.6. Like, that's the answer, guys. That's the answer. Joel Embiid is a 2.6. Boyan Bogdanovich is 2.6. This one's incredible. Aaron Gordon is a 2.6. Zion Williamson, 2.5. Jason Tatum, 2.4. Lakers have gotten better recently. Why? They added Thomas Bryant. He's a plus 2.2. Kelly Olenek, plus 2.2. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, plus 2.2. Yuta Watanabe, out of Brooklyn, plus 2.2. He has not played a ton of games, 14, but he shot the heck out of it. Rudy Gobert, 2.1. And Nick Claxton, 2.0. Lucas at 1.9. Desmond Bain, 1.9. DeAndre Eaton, 1.9. I will stop. I don't. I promise. Uh, who are the least... Or the most negatively, this is probably the right way to phrase it, negatively impactful offensive players. How about Larry Markkinen in the top six? Um, Terry Rozier is a minus four. CJ McCollum is a minus 3.4. If he gets right, New Orleans just takes off. Dylan Brooks, Cade Cunningham, who's out for extended, is minus 3.3 in his 12 games. Dylan Brooks, minus 2.9. Keldon Johnson in San Antonio, minus 2.7. Russell Westbrook at minus 2.5. For all the great talk. R.J. Barrett. Oh, so sorry. We don't have him. Minus 2.4. Fred Van Vliet, minus 2.3. Killian Hayes, minus 2.3. Kawhi's not been good in his limited. Josh Giddy, minus 2.2. Boy, he has me confused. Um, Trey Mann, minus 2.0. Another Oklahoma City player. James Booknight at minus 2.0. Chris Middleton has struggled in his three games since he started. Karis LeVert, minus 1.9. He's always there. Jaden Ivey is a rookie, minus 1.8. We care not. Will Barton has not clicked in for Washington. All right, let's go to the Utah Jazz. You found out the main reason. It's Kelly Olenek and it's Lowry Markkinen, but how is it possible? And then Jordan Clarkson's going to be our next one because Jordan Clarkson used to be really negative. Let's see where he is. Uh, Lowry Markkinen plus 2.7. Kelly Olenek plus 2.2. Walker Kessler plus 1.4. Big guys matter. Jared Vanderbilt plus 1.1. Colin Sexton plus 0.7. That's really good for a guard. Simone Fontecchio, even. Alexander Walker, minus 0.2. That's terrific for him. He used to be really, really inefficient. In fact, he, last year, Alexander Walker was the least efficient offensive player in the entire NBA. So for him to be only at minus 0.2 is a great stride. Malik Beasley, minus 0.3. Mike Conley, minus 0.8. That's unusual. I would suspect that gets better if he plays more with Walker. Jordan's still minus 0.9. And Rudy Gay is a minus 1.2. And Taylor Horton Tucker is a minus 1.5. So still, the real reason is our top Lowry Market and Kelly Olenek doing what they've done. Let's go to our last 10 games. Who are the hottest players in the NBA? Not a surprise here. Anthony Davis at plus 6.4. And then Nikola Jokic is number two. Kevin Durant is three. Aaron Gordon is four. We're about to see him. Aaron Gordon shooting 67% and 55% from three. Damato Sabonis is five. Zion Williamson, six. DeAndre, eight and seven. Harrison Barnes in Sacramento, 8. Giannis, 9. Malcolm Brogdon, 10. Andrew Wiggins, 11. Lowry Markin in 12th. Norman Powell, 13th, taking advantage of those opportunities. Kelly Olenek, 14th. Boyan Bogdanovich, 15th. Jaron Jackson, 16. I'll take it to 20 because it gets interesting here in a second. Trey Murphy in New Orleans. Not one. is 50, 40, 90 in the last 10. Nick Claxton, and then Walker Kessler comes in at 20th, tied with Zubak 
and Rudy Gobert. He's only taken 31 shots to Gobert's 71 shots, but Walker's shooting 94% in the last five games or 10 games. Who are the coldest players in all of the land over the last 10 games? Hope you guys like points gained. I heard you guys in regards to the possibility of the draft segment. I got to figure out how to do it. Uh, Keldon Johnson is the coldest player in the NBA by a long shot. He's minus eight. Wow, that's really bad. Uh, James Harden has not only played one game. Let's see. Fred Van Vliet, minus 4.8. Terry Rozier, minus 4.3. Dame Lillard didn't look like it last night, but he has struggled in going in. I don't think this has last night in it. Uh, Benedict Matherin, for all the love, minus 3.4 in his last 10 games. Dylan Brooks, minus 3.3. Russell Westbrook, for how great he's been off the bench, minus 3.2. Um... Cam Payne, minus 3.0. Might be time for Chris Paul to get back. Josh Giddy 2.7. CJ McCollum, still minus 2.7 over his last six. Trey Mann. Jalen Green struggling all of a sudden at minus 2.6. He was really good before that. Pat Levine and uh, Pat Connington and Zach Levine finish it off. All right. And for your Utah Jazz over the last 10. Who's hot? Who's not? We probably know. We've discussed it a little bit, but let's just check it out. And see, I'm really excited for Nikhil Alexander-Walker that he's, like, gotten to average. I think he, if he could stop taking just bad shots, he, his, his weakness is he can get too many shots off. 3.1 for Lowry and 2.7 for Kelly Olenek, 2.5 for Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, 1.8. Colin, 1.6. That We're going to miss that. That was great. And if you didn't have him making decisions and let him just score, that's even better. Alexander-Walker, 0.7. Simone Fontecchio, even. Jordan Clarkson, minus 1.1. Malik Beasley, minus 1.9. Taylor Horton Tucker, minus 2. All right, that is points gain. That is Locked on Jazz. We'll talk to you after the game with Ron. Then Ron, I'll be with you uh, on the floor and before the game uh, in Denver as well. Have a great one. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for being a part of Locked on Jazz.